Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you a recap of the news and results from the exciting world of running. Given that athletic events are on indefinite hold right now due to COVID-19, this week on The Rundown, we're taking the opportunity to answer some of your burning questions about your hosts. So listeners, while everyone is social distancing and self-isolating, we're here to provide running-related updates and hopefully a few laughs. This is The Rundown. It's Friday. It is Friday. It's Friday. That is a very positive note to start on. G-I-F. Every day feels like a month right now. I was going to say, does Friday really mean, I, I'd be, this would be a good question for listeners, because I know that a lot of people are working from home and a lot of companies and businesses are trying to kind of do business as normal, but remotely, which is mm-hmm. obviously challenging. Does Friday really mean anything anymore? Like, I feel like I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, it's Friday. What, 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 what does that mean? I actually, so a little insight into my life right now, my, my younger sister has moved in with me um, temporarily just because, you know, she gets lonely anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> today I was like, do you want takeout for dinner? It's a Friday. We could order a pizza. And she was like, Maddie, that sounds so nice and normal. Yes. I would like to do that. Just like little things like it is Friday. So we can do a fun Friday thing and no shortage of movies playing in my house recently, but you know, we'll order pizza and watch a movie just like any other Friday. You know what? I think that is a great idea. And that's what so many people have been advising, right? Is that find a routine that works for you. It's very, this is uncharted territory, but find what works for you and stick to that routine. And I know that there's, you know, a lot of controversy around some of these pieces of advice, but I really like the whole, like, it's funny because normally in my daily life, I'm very lucky that I get to wear a lot of spandex and sweatpants. But I must say, I've worked from home every day this week and I have never worn so many blouses and jeans because I was like, I'm not going anywhere, but I just need to feel pretty and put together. Someone on Twitter was like, I'm using, I'm taking this opportunity working from home to wear a lot of outfits I would not wear to the office. And it's like her in like a floor, like floor length gown or like her in her wedding dress. Just like, (laughs) honestly, I wore heels the other day. Yeah. Only for like half an hour, but just because I could and because no one else was going to see me in them. And I felt like I wanted to wear some heels. So I did. Felt great. I haven't put on heels yet, but I do like, I've. I'm, I've been a work from homer for a little while now. Right. And, uh, but I do find it helpful to like have the morning routine and like, yeah, brush your teeth, put pants on. Right. You know, like you shower. Yeah, exactly. Have a shower and then, and it gets you ready for your work day. It does. Absolutely. Do you have any other, how, how else have you been kind of weathering this storm? I know that everyone's actually, side note, I saw, I think it's in the EU. Um, there's like a public request to cut back on Netflix streaming. And in fact, I believe that they asked European Netflix to stop streaming in high def because they're afraid they're going to break the internet. So that's not to like incite panic, but I will say, you know, crack a book every once in a while, guys. I did. Um, that was actually, that was just like, 
Yeah, you don't want to get preachy like, oh, I don't watch TV. I've been watching a ton of TV. But last night I felt like I needed a break from the internet. So I just read for like an hour and turned off my phone. Good and for that, you. And that I slept better last night than I have in days because I don't know if anyone else is having this problem. But brain shut off at nighttime has been hard. Lately. We talked about this. Yeah. And I think that's part of the issue is that everyone is glued to their screens right now more so than ever. And a lot of it is just informative, which I totally understand. You're trying to stay updated. You're trying to get, you know suggestions and keep abreast of all of this but there's a lot of fatigue that comes with that both like on the eyes like drained eyes but also just mentally it is we need to check out every once in a while and yeah i my other work from home tip um not that reading a book at night is a work from home tip but could be could be kind of you spend all day on a screen um my other work from home tip is go for a lunch run go for a lunch run yes it is and Actually, I saw, I'll give Cal Neff a little shout out. He's been run commuting to work still. He works from home. Um, so he's, <laughs> his commute starts and finishes in the same spot. But that was his routine of like run to work, run home at the end of the day. I so he's that. just still doing it, except now it's a loop. Right. <laughs> Whereas it used to be an out and back. So, you know, if you are a run commuter, continue to run commute to your home office. Um, and if you're an avid runner, do do half of your run, you know, do half of your run at lunch and half in the morning or half after work. It breaks up the day really nicely. You have a shower at home. It doesn't have to be long, like even 20 minutes I find really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um and you're not going to want to do it necessarily because you're comfy and cozy in your house and it's still kind of dreary outside. But you know what? Five minutes in, you're really happy you did. Oh, totally. And there's it's really one of the only reasons to leave the house right now. Mm-hmm. So I, and we've been talking about this, all of us on our Slack channel, because no people are in our office right now. But everyone's been talking about how on their runs, they have seen more seemingly non-avid runners than ever before. And Again, no hate there. In fact, tons of love. Glad mm-hmm. you guys are getting out and trying something new if you are not an avid runner. But I think people are just going stir crazy and are looking for ways to get out and get some fresh air and feel good. Yeah, it is still a little dreary. It's March, but it is officially spring. But guys, can you imagine if it was January and this was happening? Oh, I know. This would be is, awful. Yeah. The t- t- timing, much better than it could have been. Yes. Even December. And like, it'll snow one more time in March because we live in Ontario and that's how it works. But on the whole, pretty dry roads, yep. pretty good weather. Yeah. Feels good to get out there. So little update. I'm sure most of you have been following this, but basically every race that was scheduled for this spring has either been canceled or postponed. Certainly that's true of what, 95% of road races. And it's starting on the track as well. And it's starting on the track as well. Exactly. So we've seen obviously all of the major marathons either get outright canceled or pushed to the fall track meets, including the Harry Jerome classic, which is one of the biggest track meets in Canada. One of Canada's only track meets that you can get significant world athletics points from. Exactly. I.e. qualifying for the Olympics which we'll get to in a moment, uh, has been canceled. It was originally scheduled for May 30th. But yeah, road races. Let's talk about how busy this fall is going to be. So there will be five world majors in, what is it, eight weeks? Yeah, something like um, that. It's like it's like a world major a weekend, which is a real hoot and a holler if you like watching marathons um, or if you like writing about them. That right. sounds like a blast. Um, a lot of early European call times. But, you know, other than that, sounds yeah. like a blast. And uh, it's not just the world majors that have been affected. Obviously, a huge chunk of the Canadian road races have moved to the fall if they didn't outright cancel. So if you 
are looking to run a marathon, by golly, do you have the opportunity come, you know, September, October, November? That's a great positive spin on it. Yeah. And I'll just pivot from that and say, I think that from what I've seen publicly, the running community has done a very good job of this. Unfortunately, I think there is sort of a vocal minority of people who are pretty PO'd about their race plans being disrupted for this spring. If you're one of those people, I know it's frustrating, but be kind to race organizers. They are doing the best they can. And see this again as an opportunity to get even fitter for your now fall race. Oh, totally. And just like, actually, the New York Times did a beautiful um, Des Linden piece about, you know, her plan. And uh, her current plan is to know, you know, have a few more bourbons and beers than she would otherwise and have a few treats in the cupboard and just kind of chill out and do some light running. But like, we're back to base season, folks. Totally. Um, You know, run, run to stay sane, run to stay healthy. Um, But in terms of intense training, no one has a race on the calendar for, you know, at a minimum three months right. it looks like for track runners um and for road runners you don't have a race on the calendar until probably september yeah. so and you know what i think this can be somewhat if we're putting it in terms that runners understand universally this it can be pretty closely equated to an unforeseen injury where you can't do anything it just sets you out so obviously in this case you can still go for a run but you can either see a setback like that as something that's really frustrating and upsetting or you can see it as forced rest, which all of us could benefit from from time to time. So I was talking to my dad last night. He was planning on doing around the bay. He originally had two speed sessions planned this week. He was like, you know what? I really didn't feel like doing my speed sessions, so I didn't do them. <laughs> He's like, I still got out for a run. It still felt great to be moving, but I just didn't feel like putting myself through the intensity that sometimes you have to force yourself through when you're committed to a training plan. Get out for a run when you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, just be good to yourself and give yourself permission that this too shall pass and there's nothing you can do. So there are lots of things that people are doing around the world to be creative in terms of keeping their running going. Uh, here in Ontario, certainly, and across Canada, we are pretty lucky that there are very few places that have had total shutdowns where people cannot leave their homes. So a lot of us sort of have maintained some sense of normalcy with our running. You know, I've been able to get out through the roads and trails around my place, which has been great. But there are parts of the world that are not as lucky as us and who do have mandatory lockdowns or restrictions on how far they can go. For instance, France has implemented for the whole country that you cannot travel more than a two kilometer radius from your home. So there have been so many people doing two kilometer run. I guess it would be a 4k run, right? You can go 2k out and 2k back. Yeah. <clears throat> Which really isn't that bad. You know what? In the winter, I do that sometimes. Like for example, uh, if a parking lot is uh, cleared, but a road isn't, then right. I'll just do my tempo in a parking lot because I would rather be bored and not fall than, you know, be entertained but wipe out so you know desperate desperate times folks we're just we're just making it happen however we can and you know what makes a two kilometer radius seem really long what comparing it to running a marathon back and forth on a seven meter balcony which is what a Frenchman of the Paris marathon ended up doing because he was not able to raise his marathon he was like you know what no big deal pivot I'm gonna go back and forth across my balcony which sounds worse than a treadmill to me. Oh, yeah. But you know what? 
if you are a teacher or a baker or, you know, whatever you are where you've been told you can't go to work, then, you know, you run a marathon on your porch because you got a lot of time on your hands and you're fit. And quite frankly, why the heck not? Totally. You know, gyms are closed. We're obviously seeing more people getting out for runs than ever before. We're also seeing some really creative at home, no equipment needed strength training routines. Some of it with questionable levels of safety, right. but um, you we're know, not necessarily promoting all of we're it. Not, we're saying the concept is is interesting. We applaud creativity yes. in in almost all of its forms. Um, so, however you're getting it done, good for you. You know, if you you got a wacky idea that you think is working, tag us in it. Let us know what you're doing to stay fit, to stay sane, to stay healthy. And uh, we'll give you we'll give you a shout out here because I think totally. we're all looking for a little bit of remote community right now. So. Yeah, well said. And there's our plug. There may not be events to cover, but runningmagazine.ca is your home base for all fun, creative, uplifting, realistic news about how this pandemic is affecting running around the world and in your backyard. So stay tuned, folks. One other story that I think is really interesting that was an announcement just sort of before the coronavirus became an official pandemic, I believe, is that Castor Semenya of 800 meter fame, who has been banned from competing in events ranging from 400 meter to 1500 meter because of her naturally high testosterone, did announce that should the Olympics go ahead this summer, and that is a big if, she will be trying to qualify for Tokyo in the 200 meter which is a vastly different event from the eight and the 15 where she's excelled in the past. Um, So she competed in a meet in South Africa last week. She ran a personal best of 23.49. She won handily, but that's still the better part of three quarters of a second off the Olympic qualifying mark. So could totally happen, but she's got a ways to go. But you know what? She's working towards a goal, and it's cool to see her come back to the running community. And I know there are different opinions on this, but personally, I welcome her. Yes. Well, and there's, I mean, there's no reason not to. This is not... She's within the rules. Exactly. And actually, on the Olympic note, while we're here... Yes. Um, the question I get asked six to seven times a day, it used to be in person, now it's via phone call, um, do I think the Olympics will go ahead... No, no, there is not a world in which they can go ahead as planned. Could they go ahead with a new plan? You bet they could. Have we been told that new plan or even given any indication as to how to prepare for that new plan? No, we have not. So while you see, you know, the athletes you follow on social media still training, do not think that those athletes are disillusioned or believe that there will be an Olympics as normal. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think most of us have a realistic picture of what the world looks like right now. And we appreciate that the Olympic, there are things that are more important than the Olympics and that they will not go according to plan. Well, and there's so much to take into consideration here. And there have been a lot of high profile athletes taking to social media to really call out the IOC and World Athletics for not having announced any kind of plan. I understand that it's very difficult to come up with one, but on the one hand, you're asking athletes if they're healthy to train as normal, which goes against a lot of public health advisories. You're also asking them to do it without facilities or um, IST, which is integrated support teams. So things like doctors, 
um, massage, chiropractic, anything that keeps us healthy and injury free, we are working without. And then there's also the issue of being able to actually qualify. So it's not whether the world could handle an Olympic game starting on July 24th. It's all the things that lead up to that. It's we don't have a way to get there. We, we don't have a way to get there. And, and we're you, not talking physical. Well, we might be talking physically fly us, right. but we, we don't have an avenue um, to qualify. To qualify. And also new news today is that um, drug testing has been significantly reduced due to the virus. That makes complete sense. You're handling other people's bodily fluids. I cannot think of an easier way to get sick. Right. So it's not that I'm um, opposed to that decision, but what I'm saying is that- It's a giant loophole. It's a giant loophole with very limited drug testing out of competition and no testing in competition as there are none. There's no accountability. And I know that most people are honest and hardworking and they won't see this as a loophole at all. But for those, we know there are dopers in sport. Right. And for those who are inclined to cheat, this is a massive amount of time with which you could do a lot of good training with a lot of special substances and end up in incredible shape come the fall. There are many small countries that rely on neighboring countries to provide drug testing personnel because they don't have the resources to provide them in their own country. So if borders are closed, which is true for at least half of the world, then they physically cannot go to those countries to test them. So it's not, yeah, there's just, it it creates a huge opportunity for those that would unfortunately take advantage of the situation. And um, just one more thing to consider. So I agree with you. I think that there is a less than 1% chance that the Olympics will go ahead as scheduled. Obviously very disappointing, but there, to your point, are a lot bigger things to worry about right now. I think that the fall is an option. I think the postponing a year is an option. I also think, I think outright cancellation is unlikely, but again, I didn't think we'd be here. So I don't rule anything out at this point. All right. We've shed some positivity on a not great situation. We've talked about the unfortunate reality of the situation. We want to answer some questions now because we created a Facebook discussion group for the ShakeOut podcast. Thank you to everyone who has joined. Thank you for all of your engagement, your questions. If you are stuck at home and glued to your screen, reach out to us. Let us know how you're dealing with self-isolation or self, you know, social distancing. Let us know what your running is looking like during this time. And for the foreseeable future, we will not only bring you great stories of the running community, but we will also on the rundown, Maddie and I will continue answering your questions or giving shout outs on the air to people who are coming up with really creative ways of managing the current reality. So we got several questions from listeners over the last couple of weeks And this is a chance for you to get to know your hosts a little better. So Maddie, are you ready for some questions? I am, Kate. All right. So question number one comes from Iona Van Dyke. And she says, hi, Maddie and Kate. I was wondering how your own running influences your role as podcast hosts. I mean, how does it not? Great question, though. It is a great question. People who listen to this podcast and read what I write have kind of a window into my brain. You know, like if I've written about a sore Achilles, odds are <laughs> I had a little thing in my Achilles. Right. It's not all the time. Like I'm in like, you know, I'm always on like Reddit and different forums and Twitter to like see what runners are talking about. So it's not always personal experience, but at least a few things a week come from my own run or my own workout or what my teammates or friends have said about running. Right. 
In fact, this is a pretty great role for us because I don't know about you, but my partner and those around me who are not avid runners get pretty sick of me only talking about running. So the great thing is I have this outlet now where I can talk with you to people who actually want to hear it. And then it kind of dilutes or buffers how much I talk about running to my non-running friends, of which there are very few. So I think that that's actually a great benefit for those around me as well. Oh, a lot of my best friends are non-runners, actually. And they have said that I talk about running significantly less now because I, I write about running at work and then I go to practice and run after work. And then I think by the time I'm like seeing my friends, I'm like, man, what's going on in your world? Tell me about the bank. Like, I don't like you're all run out. <laughs> but overall, I think something that's true for both of us is that we're both just really passionate about this sport. So it feels really cool that we get to both do it and talk and write about it to a wonderful community and audience. Super fun. Charlotte Wood says, hi, I'm a big ShakeOut podcast fan. Thank you, Charlotte. We've seen your engagement several times across our social platforms. We're very appreciative. She said, what is it like living, working and training in Toronto? And also, what are your favorite non-running related things to do? And these questions are very apt right now. Super apt. So I actually don't live in Toronto anymore. That's true. I was a longtime Torontonian, seven years, really became my my adopted home. But uh, I'm now a Hamiltonian. I kind of I split my time between both cities, though, to be fair. I'm still I'm still here. I still train with my same teammates. I still work here, obviously. So, you know, I split my time between both places. But uh, when I was living, working and training in Toronto full time, it's a pretty amazing setup for me because our office and my training facilities are 150 meters apart generously. Um, so it was super easy for me to, you know, get both my training and my work done in a day. And also that means that a lot of my teammates are still U of T students. So super easy for me to meet up with them for a run before or after work or at lunch. Sometimes Kate and I run together regularly. We run with other of our colleagues from the office. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty ideal setup. And I would say one thing that a lot of non-Torontonians don't know is that especially through the warmer weather, there are actually a surprisingly large number of trails in this concrete jungle that we live in. So that's been really nice for me too, is to get out and explore some of the non- road surfaces of our great city. And as things continue to warm up, it'll be really nice to get back to them. They're a little mucky right now. They're getting there. They're getting there. Yeah. And our favorite non-running things to do. Well, again, this is such an important question right now. Okay. I have two and they're both super nerdy and I've gotten heavily into both, especially over the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. One is Bananagrams. Okay. Have you ever played Bananagrams? I have. Fun game. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's like speed scrabble. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and inexplicably it comes in a little banana pouch, which is why it's called bananagrams. Uh, so that's really fun. My partner is much more of like a numbers guy, so he doesn't love it as much. I think it's also cause I'm just way better at it. Well, we can't be good at everything. No, it's true. Yeah. But the thing that we've really been enjoying lately, which is super nerdy is thousand piece jigsaw puzzles. Kate has actually talked a lot about her thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. Oh, I'm a full on puzzler. I know. And you're not the only one. A lot of my best friends have been purchasing puzzles. They've been like Amazon ordering puzzles yeah. because uh, they're bored. Um, and I think it's a great it's a great thing to do with your time. 
because like we said, Netflix is breaking the internet. So um, if you can find joy in non-streaming related services, right. that's great. It is actually a very wholesome screen-free activity. Very, They're also very rewarding because they're really freaking hard. Uh, Maddie, this next question is specifically for you. So Jeffrey Watson wants to know... Uh, in a recent podcast, you made a comment about the weather getting better and hitting the trails. We've already kind of talked about this. He says, I'm a road racer who loves trails, but does so cautiously during a build. It seems pretty risky for semi-pro track athletes to hit the trails. What are your thoughts on this? Cause you are a true mid distance runner. Yeah. I run the 800, which yeah. like, it's kind of a glorified sprint. Right. Um, but for me, uh, spending time on soft surfaces gets more important every year. And I know in the grand scheme of things, 24 isn't very old. But when you're, you know, sort of using your body to do um, this much activity every week, it does by the end of the year take a toll. So we're always working preventatively. And one of those prevention methods is ensuring that, you know, we're doing strides on turf when possible and we're running on soft surfaces when possible and we're limiting time and spikes and track time and things like that. So, if I can find a trail that isn't that gnarly, I'm into it. I don't really like a lot of hills because um, they're supposed to be recovery runs and it's harder to recover the more hills you have to climb. Um, but yeah, if I can find a relatively flat, soft surface to run on, I'm, I'm absolutely going to use it. Rich Gelder says, my colleagues and I at the Hamilton Olympic Club are huge fans of you both. Thanks, Rich. As everyone knows, our sport has been rocked by far too many abuse scandals in recent months. In your opinion, what is it that we need to be doing as clubs, first and foremost, but also through our governing bodies, to make athlete abuse a thing of the past? This is a huge question, and one that we've obviously been having to tackle a lot more lately. My initial thought on this, as someone who's been a little more involved in sort of the government governance structure lately, is to say that we absolutely have to have certification and training that is mandatory for anyone who wants to be involved in the sporting world. That sounds like it could be challenging to do, but Athletics Ontario, shout out to them, have done a fantastic job of certifying over 300 coaches in a very short span. Um, part of their club fees go to help training and certifying their coaches. And I just think that, unfortunately, if some people aren't willing to make the right decisions on their own, they do need some guidelines as to what is appropriate and what's not. 100%. And sort of like that's more at the admin level and at a slightly more grassroots level, I would say the most important piece of advice I can give is um, coaches get to know your athletes and um, athletes, make sure that you can talk to your coach. Like when you're, especially right now, when you're, you know, finishing your recruiting phases and things like that, when you're making a decision about who will coach you in university, I would say my biggest piece of advice is make sure you feel like you can have a genuine constructive relationship with that person. And that starts with just being able to communicate with them. And I know that there was sort of an old school mentality that there was a real separation between coach and athlete. And there were kind of like scare tactics in coaching that I believe were phasing out. In my experience, we're phasing those out. But there's for sure still some of that left. And I would I would discourage uh, working with a coach like that. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest things is one of the biggest 
positive outcomes of what we've been seeing in the media lately is that these conversations are being had on a much broader scale and in more depth than any time that I've been aware of in the past. So not only are coaches getting a better understanding of kind of where certain lines are, what's appropriate, what's not, but athletes are starting to recognize these things too. And I think that's a big piece of it is that especially young, impressionable people uh, turn to people like coaches as, you know, for guidance, as role models, as the, you know, the authoritative figure and their athletes, especially young athletes are starting to understand more what feels right, what doesn't, what looks and sounds right, what doesn't, and are being more vocal with that. Katie Gray Delaney says she's a huge fan of both of us. Thanks, Katie. I can't wait to meet some of these people after social distancing has ended. Come say hi to us if yes, you ever see say, us if at If you guys events. ever like see us, say hey. Yeah. We'll say We'd, hey back. We would love to say hey back. Um, since the marathon is not a personal focus of either of yours, does it make it more difficult to report on the podcast? That's a really good question. And we've actually, I think you and I have both had a little bit of, we've, but we both started out with a tiny bit of imposter syndrome, I think. Oh, hundred percent. The longest distance I've ever run at one time is 16 kilometers. I haven't even completed a half marathon in a stretch. Really? That's your longest run? Yeah. We keep it low mileage, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, again, you're a mid D runner. That makes sense. My longest run ever was about 30 K. It was 18 miles. Yeah. See, I just, I thought that was too long. I thought that was a gross distance. (laughs) (laughs) But see, I I don't. I actually really like, I cannot wait to train for a marathon. Here's the thing about Kate though. Kate trains as much as most marathoners, not, not the, not the elite of the elite, but truthfully, most yeah most recreational runners recreational marathoners you would train probably more than in terms of your mileage run so it's not like you're unfamiliar with running high mileage we are unfamiliar of the particulars of racing a marathon which we totally respect because i have never covered 42 kilometers on my feet at one time and i can only imagine what that does to the body yeah and thankfully we have tons almost all of our colleagues actually have so we can like run stuff by them and be like hey am i off on this or does this feel right for you or what you experienced because we haven't um but in terms of just like on like knowing what it feels like to put in you know sort of like yeah over 100k weeks and things oh, like yeah. that like, like you, i'll routinely you totally... get up to like 115 115 exactly. kilometers a week routinely with a long run of between 20 and 25k every weekend plus my dad's been a runner a marathoner for longer than i've been alive mm-hmm. so like my first exposure to the sport was my dad coming back from like three and a half hour long runs in his build yeah, like Kate's Kate's really not faking much. Um, Still haven't done it. I uh, have unathletic parents uh, who are not runners, and um, I have never. I think I did a ninety-kilometer week like twice. Do you think you'll ever do a marathon post uh, elite track? life oh totally i will yeah i'm 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 interested by it for sure i just want to know what it feels like yeah like every time you do these different distances like they're just they're so distinct like i know what a good 800 feels like i know what a good 1500 feels like i now even know what a good 5k on the road feels like i know what a good cross-country race feels like right you've dabbled i've dabbled you've stuck some toes in there yeah they made me run cross-country all through university i've talked about it i hated it but um 
I do. I want to know what a good marathon feels like. And like, I won't just like run. I won't do a marathon fun run. Like one day I will, I will train for right. a marathon. Oh, let's do one together. Oh, totally. I great. don't want to do it. Like I'm not going to make marathoning my life, but like I do. Yeah, never say never. Uh, shameless plug for our most recent episode featuring Melindy Elmore, who after 16 years away from the Olympics in the 1500 is now the Canadian marathon record holder. And she says in that interview, she was like, I used to think that people that did Ironmans or marathons were crazy and I would never, ever do them. And now she's completely embraced it and she doesn't only love it, but she's thriving. Okay, so I won't, you never know. I won't say never. Maddie might break the Canadian record in the but, marathon, guys. Oh my God. Maddie, just so you know, you cannot complete a marathon in spikes. I mean, you probably could, but I don't advise One day it. we might be able to. One day. Um, by the time I'm running a marathon, we might be able to. So speaking of the marathon, Al McAdam says, as someone who just did his first marathon last fall, sub four hours, go Al. What advice can you give for improving someone's training to getting closer to their Boston qualifying time? So this is sort of a callback to the question before. Because while we have never run a marathon, we do understand training principles. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell you exactly what to do on the Boston course, obviously. Never done it. But in terms of my own training and my own builds, every year I try and do something better than I did the last. So it's usually it's usually a small a small thing or two. I try and make the goals attainable, but it's those little things that actually end up making a massive distance over over time, especially over the course of a year or a season. So like this year my my priority has been sleep. You know, in the past I used to get like four good nights of sleep a week, but then like three not so great. Not nights. so great because like I'd be you doing were a twenty year old. Yeah, I'd be in doing, university. Yeah, I'd be doing whatever with my friends, yeah. and I was having fun. And sure, I had to go to weights in the morning, but like I was not gonna ever get this night back. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you heard of the term FOMO? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh! Small insert here. Yeah. I one year went to an Our Lady Peace concert the night before Offs Across Country. Because when was I ever going to see Our Lady Peace in concert again? As it turns out, you probably weren't actually the way their careers went. But I under <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not I'm not using this as an opportunity to float my musical, you know, taste by any means. However, I do understand what it feels like to be a young person and not necessarily prioritize sleep. Anyway, we've moved very far away from your point. But, but I think it's great yes. advice. So, so, you know, this year it's been sleep and I've been sleeping better and I've been uninjured and my workouts have been way better than before. And like these things don't feel like sacrifices anymore either, which is cool. Like when you sort of like commit to doing like one thing better and you make achievable goals, like it feels so good when I show up prepared to workouts you know, which just reinforces this pattern of like, I want to go to bed again early tonight so I can feel this good Becomes again tomorrow. So I That's can get... what a routine is. Yeah, exactly. So I would just say pick your thing, like identify something you're bad at. We're all bad at stuff. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. And I think that your um, statement about making sure that they're attainable as well, like you don't want to change everything all at once. So Al, we don't know we have very little information here from you about your training, but you know, the questions that come to mind right away for me are, are you following a training plan? Do you have a coach or advisor that you're working with either in person or remotely? Um, and what does an average week of running look like for you? You know, are you, do you understand concepts of periodization? Um, how long have you been running? Are you building up mileage as you go? You know, these are kind of the, the 
the basic questions that I think would maybe, if you're not doing a number of those things, might make the difference from being, you know, just under four hours to maybe closer to, you know, a Boston qualifier. And honestly, not to harp on sleep too much. And I also know that like, I'm very privileged um, that I'm a good sleeper. I don't have children. I get to like structure my life around my training for the most part. Like I am in a remarkably strong position to deal with this stuff. But if you can prioritize sleep, even a couple nights a week, it is literally natural doping. Huge. Like if honestly you want to improve your marathon time, just try and sleep a little bit more. I had a coach that once said, the best thing you can do for your running is not to run, it's to sleep. And I absolutely think that's true. Uh, Amy Hoova. Very interesting question at this point in time. Says, Kate and Maddie, will either of you be racing qualifiers for Tokyo 2020? Amy, we're hoping yes, but we have no idea what that looks like. Uh, As it stands right now, the Canadian Olympic trials, which are set for the last week of June, are still planning to go ahead as scheduled again that is completely open to change as the IOC makes more announcements. Um, so I'm not sure if there's going to be a Tokyo 2020, but you can bet that if there is, Maddie and I will be doing everything possible to get ourselves there. Amy, we are trying our darndest. <laughs> we'll keep you posted as we learn more. Yeah. Sarah Martin says, hey, I love listening to your podcast. I also really like that you highlight university and student runners. Thank you for that, Sarah, because it's something we've been trying to do more of. Um, She's a mother of two running girls. And on the podcast, sometimes she said, I would love if you could do a special segment on recruiting or choosing a school to run for, what to ask coaches, etc. I know you both have experience with this. It's a great question. It's a great question. And a really complex one. Um, There are so many ways you can approach this. My biggest advice for this, because I have in the past put together sort of a general list of questions for high school, especially high school girls who are looking to get recruited or in the recruiting process. My biggest advice is get to know the coach, but also the athletes as well as you can and find a program that fairly closely parallels a positive training environment and experience that you've had in your high school career so far. So, you know, I went to Duke University. I was recruited by several other schools. I'm sure they all would have been great. I had really positive recruiting visits, but I ultimately chose the school I did because the coach and the team had very similar training philosophies and sort of life philosophies, I would say, to the really positive experiences that I had had through my schooling, through high school. And I think I think that's so important. And to even go a little bit deeper, if you're looking for kind of an interesting loophole, um, talk to graduated athletes. Mm, that's a good one. Because this is actually, I can't take credit for this. This is That's a Jess O'Connell tip, but it's super smart. And I actually did it by accident a couple of times, um, but I, I wasn't doing it intentionally. It just kind of fell into my lap that a graduated or graduating athlete was on my tours. Mm. And actually, you know what? Maybe to my coach's credit, maybe that was purposeful. Anyway, I don't I don't know. I should ask them. But graduated athletes are going to be a little bit more candid with yep. you. And they've also got the full breadth of experience in a way that a first year or second year doesn't. Um, so just because, you know, they're they're leaving and they've probably done a lot of reflection about their time there. They're a little bit older. They're a little bit more mature. And also just because they're leaving, there is a little bit less on the line for them. Um, for example, if you're like a great runner that they just really want to come there to make their team strong, like that's not in it for them anymore. They just, I'm assuming 
want to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. And finally, Jordan. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that your name looks French. So I'm going to call you Jordan Etier. And if that's incorrect, I'm very sorry, Jordan. If it is Etier. Etier. It could be. If that sounds like your name, we're talking about you. Right. So, Jordan, you asked about following the Canadian running scene. And of course, there isn't much to follow right now. You said, I'm trying to get into following Canadian running, whether track or road races, but it sure is daunting. Any advice on how to best get into following as an avid fan? It's tough to figure out where to begin. So, (laughs) very obvious and shameless self-plug. Of course, go to runningmagazine.ca because we tried to do our best to keep you as updated as we possibly can on the web. But the other option is you got to pay for it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is unfortunate. But um, track and field is not and road running, frankly, like it's not that well covered on TV during the Olympics, during very during world championships, during very peak times it is. But if you're looking to sort of like get into the minutia of the sport, you got to pay for a flow track sh- subscription or an NBC Olympic subscription. There are a few out there and we can link them in the show notes. Um, they're not that expensive, but if you, if, if you want to watch, you know, the elite twilight meets in Portland or in Los Angeles, or if you want to see some of the smaller, but still exciting, you know, like the Prague marathon, for example, uh, basically marathons that aren't world majors. Um, this is your go-to, your go-to spot. And in terms of university running, almost all of those streams are free. So that is, and we, at least in Canada, at least in Canada. And we link those on the, on the website. However, if you've got a runner competing in the NCAA, again, the flow track subscription will, will get you those, will get you those meets. So you can find the shakeup podcast discussion group, obviously on Facebook. Um, feel free to engage with us post questions we have left some prompts there for folks to answer or respond to if you have any really like we said creative or fun ways that you are kind of weathering the storm right now we want to hear about them Mm -hmm. so either join the discussion group and post there or tag us on social it has just started downpouring in toronto my lunch run might be rescheduled. Our, our, our lunch run might be posted a little bit because you know what? Safety first. Probably better not to run in a monsoon. But again, if you're running laps around your living room, if you're doing box jumps on your staircase, if you are doing, you know, circuits on your balcony, we want to hear about it. So let us know. Obviously, stay safe and healthy. Be kind to one another. And final little plug here really do be kind to race directors. I know this is a tough time. Everyone, I truly believe that you are entitled to disappointment. A hundred percent. If you need to share that with your communities, with your social networks, whatever, talk about your disappointment. It's disappointing, but be kind and gentle and know that everyone is doing the best they can to be in this together. So we will have an upcoming episode in the uh, following days where we actually speak with race directors around the country who are having to deal with the fallout of all of this and who are going to give you, the runners, their best pieces of advice for how to get through this period of uncertainty. So stay tuned for that episode and we'll continue bringing you this show twice a week, just as we have been all the way along. So don't forget to continue tuning in to the Shakeout Podcast. And for this week in review, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we will certainly be back with more soon.